We are um, looking over these three weeks, last week, this week, and next week, um, at the servant songs of Isaiah. Um, And um, uh, today I want to take us uh, to be looking at a bigger picture. I love big prophetic pictures, okay, that takes us big sweep. That's why I wanted this. Big sweep that takes us from right at the beginning of all that God promised right the way through to us we're over here uh, in terms of what God's plans and purposes are. Amen. And we look <clears throat> on my, uh, I love a bit of photography. This is uh, Anne and I in South Africa. Uh, and I love just focusing in that really kind of close up that kind of you get that kind of beautiful bird, that, you know, there, um, this kind of flycatcher. And then you can kind of come right out in a kind of big sweep and you can see the mountains and the hills. Uh, and kind of beautiful kind of sunsets and stuff. Um, and um, that's what actually we're looking at today, this kind of this big sweep. This is a, uh, what we're going to be looking at in uh, Isaiah 49 is we're looking back to a people that God chose but failed to be obedient and to love him. Then in focusing in on his servant, son, who fulfills all that his father asked of him. He was obedient right the way to death on the cross. And he is the light of all people. Yeah? But but also, not only is it about him being the light, but it's also about us being the light. Jesus said to us, you, You are the light of the world. And he wants to take this sweep from actually a people who failed and were disobedient and didn't love. It took the servant to come, Jesus Christ, to demonstrate a completely right, in every single matter, complete obedience, never sinning, right the way through to death on the cross, in order that we, God's people, could become and to love and to be obedient, and to be a light to all the nations. Isn't that a wonderful story there? That just very quickly is what God's up to in planet Earth. Okay. I just love those kind of big sweets. He began by choosing Abraham, okay, which uh, is over here. <laughs> when I'm looking up there, it's over there, but it's over here. Okay, Abraham uh, and uh, you know, probably nearly 2,000 years before Christ. And he, he chose Abraham. He wasn't that Abraham was particularly um, a particularly holy guy. It wasn't that he sort of said, oh, yes, I just see he's got all my qualities. I want to choose him. No, he just chose him. He just chose him. And he chose him and he said, um, Genesis 22, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sandwiches in the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. He chose a person and then he raised up a nation for himself that he called to obedience, to walk in his ways. And that's really what the whole of the Old Testament's about. 
The nation of Israel was to be a light to the nations, was to show and demonstrate through their reverence to their God, Jehovah, that actually they would love him with all their heart and all their mind. That they would never leave him or forsake him. That they would just honor him for all that he was to them. Sadly, God's people started to disobey and turn aside from him. And then he sent prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them to return. Come back to me. Come back to me. Many demonstrate this kind of quite graphically, like Ezekiel lying on his side, bound for over a year to show what would happen to God's people if, uh, when they were taken captive by a foreign power. Or maybe even Hosea marrying a prostitute who keeps lying with other men, saying, you know, actually, I love you, my people. You're my bride, my wife. But you keep going after other gods. You keep following other, uh, being unfaithful to me. Still, God's people continue, despite the prophet's warning, to be rebellious. And God orchestrates a nation, Babylon, to take them into captivity as slaves. Do you know what? To all the world, if you just look at the kind of timeline where that kind of happens, to all the world it looked like that God's people that God couldn't deliver his people. That's what it looked like to other people. It looked like it was an an absolute catastrophic failure. That actually these people, oh, these are God's people. Okay, yeah, you mean the ones that are now kind of slaves in Babylon? Well, maybe the Babylon gods are greater than your God. So that's what it looked like. And that, it's what actually Isaiah is speaking into. He, he brings in the first part of his book, he, he, he's prophesying into that part and saying, listen to me. Nations, listen to me. And then it looks like God has forgotten, but he hasn't forgotten. Because then we see this part that he actually raises up. He's, he he prophesies ahead and he said I'm raising up I'm going to raise up a servant and this servant is going to do everything that actually you guys didn't do this servant is going to demonstrate what it is to love me with all his heart and to obey me in every way and that's what the second half of Isaiah is looking at He would bring God's people back to himself. So where the uh, prophets kind of failed to kind of turn God's people around, the servant would turn God's people around. And not only that, but he would also fulfill the promise that he'd spoken about a long time ago to Abraham to bring salvation to all the nations. And that is what this servant was going to do. And that's what Isaiah is prophesying about. Kind of five to six hundred years before Christ actually came to earth. Okay. Um, in last week, Luke was looking at Isaiah 42, 
which is kind of a biographical account talking kind of about him, the servant. He will do this. You know, a, a bruised reed, will not, he, will, he will not break. So it's talking about him in the third person. Today we're just about to look at Isaiah, the first six verses of Isaiah 49, and it changes to talking autobiographically. So then he's starting to talk about I. So it's like, it's like this servant is speaking in the first person, prophetically speaking right now, like in a present context. He's speaking right now into, that, into what Isaiah is saying as though he is present right at that moment, speaking like time doesn't exist. And like he's just speaking like it's happening right now. So it's a kind of, you've got to get into the kind of prophetic nature of this. Wonderful, I mean, wonderful, wonderful book um, that actually is coming. Uh, and he's speaking, as I said, five to six hundred years before he actually came to earth. And uh, we're going gonna, gonna to read the whole thing through and then we're going to kind of look at it section by section really as to exactly uh, how, what this speaks about uh, Christ, the servant, and also what it speaks about to us, his people. Okay. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. And he has made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord. And my reward is with my God. And now, says the Lord, who formed me from the womb, to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. And he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will, make, I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I'm going to looking at six points here um, and opening that up. Uh, each one, as I said, taking it through. Right at the end, we're going to break bread together uh, and I'll give instructions about that. So it'll be just like we did last week. So first point, listen, listen up. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar or distant nations. So here is this servant this, who's calling out prophetically, not just to Jacob, but to listen right to the far corners. Listen, you nations, right to the far corners of the globe. Give me a wave who's from another nation here. Yeah, there's a lot of hands. Look around. Yeah. Notice he's not demanding. He's not threatening. There's a 
but it is imperative. Listen up. He's just, he's not saying please. (laughs) He's just saying, listen up right now. Listen up, listen to what I'm saying, listen. Often we hear in the Gospels, Jesus speaking to the crowd, listen and understand, listen to what I'm saying. Now, listen to me. Here he's speaking to all nations. And he's speaking as though they're kind of his family. He's speaking like, listen up. A bit the way I would talk to my, my children. Listen. Dad's trying to say something here. <laughs> stop, stop chattering. Listen, listen to what I'm trying to say. You know. And then he goes on and he says, The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me. Do you see how amazing this is? What does this tell us? What does this tell us about this kind of mysterious servant? This mysterious servant isn't just coming straight from heaven and just kind of like, you know, some kind of superpower that's kind of coming in. No, no, no. This mighty servant is actually going to come. He's going to be born. We know this information is because this, this, this servant is going to be born. It's going to come from a womb, my mother's womb. It tells us that actually this servant, this, this, this plan, this prophetic plan of God is actually going to come and it's actually going to start. A little baby, got little babies here, little baby, little, little delicate, frail baby. I'm going to be called from the womb. From the body of my mother, I'm going to have a mother. He named me. He doesn't just arrive on the scene. He's not just trying to make a name for himself. Here there is a, a reference for this, this human baby. He is a human child. He's not an angel. It's not like Gabriel coming and kind of making a proclamation. No, no. This is a human child that's being born to us. But it's also a child that's coming at God's bequest. God is the one who's saying, <clears throat> he named me. It's like it's not, I've got a name of my own. No, 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 he named me. He named me. He named me in the womb. There's that. And it, and it just has such a lot of echoes back into the beginning of the Gospels and with Mary <laughs> um, and everything that's kind of going on that, that we just see. Just an amazing kind of speaking to us uh, about that human part of this, this servant that's coming. And secondly, he's not violent. It says, he's made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he's concealed me. And he's also made me a select arrow. He's hidden me in his quiver. Remember, think about, think about Isaiah and what was going on right now. This is God's people that have just experienced a lot of humiliation, subject to force and harsh treatment at the hands of kind of despots like Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, think about that. That's their understanding of kind of might and power and force and swords. And here we see 
that this servant will be different. He's not coming with a literal sword and a spear. But he's also not weak either. His words will be a sharp sword. As I said earlier, back in chapter 42, it says, in a, a bruised reed he will not break. There's a, a sense of a delicateness about it. We're reminded in Ephesians 6, where Paul talks to us about handling the word of God like a sharp sword. Jesus speaks of his own ministry as bringing, not bringing peace but a sword, meaning that actually what he's saying, what he, what he brings is actually he, um, he does sh- separate sheep from goats. He does cut through the kind of religious posturing of his day. He gets to the heart of the true motives. His word brings right to the heart the true motives of what's going on. He brings justice to the oppressed through what he's saying. It's not just a weak thing. There is a sword-like nature of it, but it's the words that actually he's speaking. Are you letting God's words bring clarity to your heart? Are you shocked when instead of gaining more supporters and friends, mentioning about your passion for Christ to your colleagues at work, that often it can seem that it causes polarization, that often it seems like, ooh, some people start to kind of really step away from you. That's because Christ brings a sword. He brings separation. He cuts to the heart. and Some people don't want that, and they separate themselves. And then we see this thing about he's hidden me. There is a sense that God has concealed his son and brought him onto the scene of planet Earth at just the right time. Most weren't expecting it. Most thought it was all finished, done. That actually there was no hope. Israel yet again was under another another power of Rome. It just looked like, where's this going? Where's all these promises going to be fulfilled? Paul in Ephesians 3 says, his mission was to preach to the Gentiles about the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was the eternal purpose that he realized. There was a sense that actually it wasn't a This was a last-minute strategy of God. This was something that God had always planned to actually bring his servant on the scene. But somehow, the servant was kind of hidden. And we only just get glimpses of it, like through this prophet Isaiah, who then speaks about it, speaks about this coming servant who's coming. And it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there were were the parts that that Israel was waiting for, for their Messiah, for their servant one that was going to come and was going to rescue them and was going to bring them back to God. But for a time, he was like, it was like he was hidden. 
And then we come on to the main part of this, this, these verses. About being a this servant. And what, what did this servant do? Um, he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, to whom I will show my glory. There's a lot of me's in this passage. Did you notice that? In the, in the, the main passage, it talks a lot about me and my God. And he spoke to me about, you know, and he keeps talking about me and my. Um, it's a very personal thing. You are my servant. It speaks of close relationship. Close relationship between the father and the son. Again, it's like me saying, my, this is my son. This is my child. This is my Chris. We hear that when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist and a voice comes from heaven, what does that voice say? This is my son in whom I love. There's that, that part that again just echoes out. We see it over and over again. Jesus talks about himself as being, this is my father in heaven. But one of the most amazing things is that Jesus comes as a servant. He's equal with the Father. And yet he's willing to tuck in and to serve his plans and purposes. Isn't that amazing? This servant part of what Christ is. He's willing just to tuck in there and to say, oh, I, no, no, it's not about what I want, what I think is a good idea. I'm just willing to tuck in Whatever you say, Father, I'm going to do. There's an obedience in this servant relationship. I think it's amazing. He's happy to just obey and to trust his Father's wisdom. Are you happy to obey and just trust your Father's wisdom? He's just content to do what he sees his father doing. So unlike the kings that these people were used to seeing, who was all about their plans and their strategies and their kingdom, here this servant is committed to humility and to obedience. Paul talks in Philippians 2, again this passage which is hard to equal. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the, the Father. 
God wanted to show his glory through his people, Israel. They proved unfaithful and sadly lacking. However, through his servant, Christ, who obeyed all things to the point of death, God displayed his ultimate glory. From total submission and weakness, he produced a life and strength for all his people to bring back Israel to himself and to actually reach the ends of the earth with his wonderful gospel news. Yeah? Isn't that an amazing plan? Isn't it amazing when you read the Philippians passage and you're thinking that just so marries with Isaiah 49. It speaks of all those things of servanthood and naming and, and uh, taking on the role of a, yeah, a servant, obedience to death. And salvation of planet Earth. Jesus, I think we get this part now. The servant says, I've toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing, he says in this passage. And vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. If you look at a snapshot of Christ just before the cross, what do you see? It looked pretty bleak. He was rejected by the religious authorities, by the religious people of his day, that he'd come to be their God and their Lord, and they'd rejected him. And even his own dear disciples struggled to stand by him and to be recognized with him when it came to it. Crucified by those he came to help. The Hebrew word here is the word hebel, which is kind of, it was all in vain. <laughs> it's used a lot in Ecclesiastes. You know, life is all in vain. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a waste of time. It, it's pointless. It's those kind of things, those, those kind of words that we'd use. And that's the kind of the word that's being used here. It felt like it had come to nothing. And yet, we hear that he knew that in spite of how it looked on the outside, that actually my value, I know that the justice due me is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. <clears throat> Again, do you know that? But actually, it's not about what, whether people see what you do, whether people recognize everything that you are doing behind the scenes. I, I, I don't feel recognized. I don't feel like people really see. Well, let's you know, say, look at, our, look at our Lord. He's saying, actually, you are my reward. You, you've got me covered. I know and no matter what, no matter what happens, what people see or don't see, actually you see, and you will reward me, and you will say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Enter into the joy of the Lord. Do we know that, church? Yeah, so important that we know that. Otherwise, we become incredibly insecure, and we're kind of trying to do things because we're trying to make people think that we're better and all that. We're really, really valuable. And actually, we just need to think, no, no, I, I'm at peace. I'm content. 
Because actually I know God sees my heart. Yeah? It's so important that we have that. Otherwise we get very strivy. And actually God doesn't want us like that. And that's what we see here. Is that he, he knew where his strength comes from. And he knew where his reward was. Jesus went to the cross knowing where his reward was. Even though it looks like everybody is against me. Nobody's standing up for me. Nobody's seeing what, I'm, what I've been saying over the last several years. <laughs> All those miracles of people being raised from the dead. I mean, come on. You know, you don't see it. What's the matter? And yet, yeah, no, I'm here. I'm just giving my life. I'm being obedient right to the end, Father. And I know that you see. And you are the one who raises me up. Paul uses the term as well at times and he says have I have I toiled in vain he talks to the Philippians he says hold on firmly to the word of life meaning don't don't walk away from this precious word of God so that he or I, I, says Paul, will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Because you're precious now. This is what I've been giving my life for. This is what I've been doing in my life is actually making sure that actually not only that you're saved, but that you're going to, I'm discipled you to carry it on right to the end, that you're going to follow it through. That's God's heart for us. That's our heart for you as elders of the church. And then we see these two main callings that the servant came to do. To bring back Jacob, which is Jacob, his people. Remember who Jacob was? Jacob was uh, the grandson of Abraham <laughs> and God spoke to Jacob and because he wrestled with God he said you wrestle with God I'm now going to call you Israel and uh, what we, we know God's people kind of called Israel right so that's we see that right the way through <laughs> and um, to bring back my people this is the first thing is actually to bring back my people to myself Jesus tells the parable doesn't he of the kind of evil um, tenants in Luke 20 and he says you know these you know the the landlord kept sending people to you and you kept killing them off <laughs> and eventually I'm going to send I've sent my son and now you kill him off God's heart was for his people and he sent his son to actually bring them back to himself But, says Isaiah, <laughs> this is too small a thing. This is God speaking. It's this too small a thing. Again, this is, this is saying, actually, yeah, it's great that actually my servant's going to come and restore my people to myself. But actually, that's too small a thing. There's a bigger plan. And you know what the bigger plan is? The bigger plan is all the nations of the world. Not just my people, but all the nations of the world. That's always been my plan. There's a bigger plan. We, saw, we see little moments 
Not many. We see little moments in the Old Testament of people, of Gentiles coming to faith like Rahab and Ruth and others who, who come to faith and, and, and <laughs> serve God and obey God and love God, but not many. But then we see Jesus, this servant, coming on the scene. And he's talking about this light that is going to come. This wonderful light. Let's just flick back to that. He says, he, um, um, I will make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. This, this light's got to come. Remember, he says, unless you're reading it in the IV, which and sadly it gets it a bit wrong here, uh, and talks about he's a bringer of light. You know, he's not a bringer of light. He is light. He is the light. He is the light. He comes as the light. He comes as light. And he brings light. He is the light. So important. Jesus says of himself, I am, not I bring, I am the light of the world. John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. We see Simeon, an old man, who God's promised that actually he would not die until he sees uh, the Messiah come. And he shouts out in Luke 2, and he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. He takes the baby in his arms. And which of you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel? This light was coming. This light, Jesus, the light is coming and bringing light to all people. When Christ comes into our life, he brings a radiance that lights up our world. Things that we stumbled over in the dark are now blindingly obvious. Yeah? There's times when I, I, I'm in a hotel room. I wake up in the middle of the night. I think I'm at home. <laughs> I wake up. I stumble towards the, the loo. I'm kind of like trying to find the handle. I can't find it. It's not there. The whole door's not there. Well, of course it's not there because it's actually not the same room. Uh, so uh, finally I, get, I turn the light on and I kind of look and I kind of go, oh yeah, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not at home. I, <laughs> there's the loo over there. Right, okay, I've got it. The light comes on, it shines, it shows us where we are. Christ is like that for us. If you don't know him this morning, He is like that. Suddenly everything becomes clear. Suddenly we were stumbling around, disorientated. Now everything becomes clear. And Jesus says this. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. He brings, not only does he say, I am the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a, a bushel or a basket. Put it up high so all can see. Bring light wherever you are. And that is what God's called us to. He has turned around. This wonderful story is 
God's people were called, chosen. They failed. Brought his servant. He won on all counts in order that we could then take that light and go into all nations of the world and proclaim him this light that is the light for all men. That's the story. Isn't that a wonderful story, church? Yeah? That's a wonderful story that actually God's got for us. Yeah? For all his church. What we've seen, we've seen the humility of the servant that he didn't just carve a name out for himself, but there was a, a humility in him that actually he obeyed God in all things. We see that actually our reward is in heaven. There is a well done for us, just as a well done for, for Christ, and that he is the very light of the world. I'm going to leave you with this quote, and then we're going to break bread. This is from John Oswald. Instead of abandoning the idea of the people's becoming true servants, how can broken, sinful Israel ever be servants of God as promised? The answer is the servant, because he will do what they could not, and indeed will be for all people. They can become what God has promised, his servants who reveal his redeeming light. That is what our purpose is in God.